0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together in your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your servants that uh, populate your, your scripture and show us you and show us ourselves in them. And we ask that our hearts would be uh, warmed and our minds would be edified. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to talk today about the person of Martha uh, as found in the New Testament, the sister of Mary and Lazarus. And then next week we've got, um, next week is Margot Cooney, and she's going to do a class on Hannah the mother of Samuel, and then the third week, uh, the final week in July, Charlotte botsford Gets is going to teach on Hagar, and this is a teaching that I've actually heard her do several years ago. Maybe you were there, Deborah, and it was just really a knockout, so she's going to kind of do a, a condensed version of that, so I uh, hope y'all, if you can't be here in person, you'll at least tune in. So today we're going to look at Martha and I I just want to say that um, I, I have, as you have I'm sure, been exposed to all the kind of caricatures that we get about Martha. You know, are you a Martha or are you a Mary? You can even take a personality quiz that will help you decide if you're a Martha or if you're a Mary. And I'm so glad to see some men here because I think that's a question that's not particular to women. Um, but I also think it's it's sort of a naive question, a simplistic question. And I just really wanted to see what happened if I just really dove into Mary. Um, look at what we know about her. See kind of between the lines what's going on with her. And, and see what it may reveal to us about us. So... Um, And I will tell you that this uh, class was greatly enhanced by a long coffee visit with Heidi Kenner. So when I get to some of the details of first century Palestinian living, you can trust that I'm I'm talking the real thing because I got it from Heidi. I didn't get it from my own little brain. All right, so here's some things that we know about Martha. Martha lives in a house in Bethany with her brother Lazarus and her sister Mary. Now, Bethany is an important place. Bethany was a village in Judea about two miles east of Jerusalem, a distance described um, by some early writer as a Sabbath day journey, so about two miles. Bethany was situated on the well-traveled road to Jericho. Um, the edges of Bethany reached to the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem. So the Bible recounts several times that Jesus is in Bethany. He's, he's there frequently. Um, and not the least of which was where, uh, was where he was when he ascended into heaven. I did not really, I never really paid much attention to that. But Luke tells us, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And of course, there are also the very major event that took place in Bethany was when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So much like Bethlehem, this backwards little nobody village is the uh, setting for some major miraculous events to occur. And so this is one of the things that Heidi taught me, so we're gonna say it as true. The fact that three grown siblings, all seemingly unmarried, Lived together, that was a very, very, very strange arrangement. Um, Now, they weren't breaking any mosaic law, but their living arrangements were very much outside the norms of first century Jewish life. They would have stood out in their um, strangeness. And it got me thinking. I remember when I was growing up, there was a grown siblings a brother and a sister who lived in a house in our neighborhood. And the folks that had been long timers in the neighborhood, they said that, yeah, originally they lived there with their mother and she died and they have just, they've continued to live as brother and sister in that house. And they, they sort of were the Boo Radley family in our neighborhood. Um, they, they were odd-looking, she was um, out in the yard a lot, but she always was in man's trousers and a man's work shirt, and they really kept to themselves, and their house was um, in disarray, the yard was always you know needed cutting, and brick was crumbling around the, the facades of their house, and for the most part, um, they were shunned in the neighborhood, even as kids. We just sort of had this feeling that we do, we needed to stay away from that that yard that house, um, and so this would be sort of like Mary Martha and Lazarus. Um, again, not doing anything illegal or uh, sinful outright, but just it's it would be very very troubling to know that you are grown and you have no dowry, most likely, and you're single and you're to to exist you have to live with your other grown siblings who are likewise. Um, so we can imagine that they were probably a little ostracized by in the village in Bethany. Um, so this and this makes so much sense given what we know about Jesus and the company he always preferred to keep. Um, John 11, 5 says that when Martha sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was ill, Luke says, now Jesus, I mean, excuse me, John says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So his, his wasn't a sense of pity on this family. He loved them. Um, he was perhaps more at home with this eccentric family than with his own in Nazareth. Um, He visits them when he is in town, and he stays with them before his final days and certain death in Jerusalem. And although few, the exchanges we have between Jesus and Martha are intimate. These siblings really knew Jesus, and he really knew them, and we'll see this as we go through it. Um, One more point, and this is blatant speculation, but again, I got it from Heidi. It's scholarly speculation and I think it's worth considering. I thought, I thought it, was, it, could, it, it has legs, perhaps. Um, and that is that perhaps Martha was the widow of Simon the leper, because that would explain why in the gospels of Matthew and Mark, we are told that Jesus shortly before his crucifixion, before going into Jerusalem, he visits Simon the leper's home and then in John we're told the same thing except that the home in Bethany that he visits is of course the home of Lazarus Martha and Mary and in all three accounts whether it's Simon's home or Mary Martha and Lazarus home a woman comes and anoints Jesus with the costly oil ointment for burial so there's so many similarities in those three accounts except the identification of the home that jesus was in so heidi says there is some speculation that martha had been married to simon and when he died um, she didn't inherit the home because women didn't inherit property but she was given the right to live in it until she died and so for whatever circumstances and reasons her her grown siblings came to live with her or, or they had already been living with her and simon but so that might be sort of where they even come to have this home alright so let's zone in on Martha Um, I hope you all got this handout which has all the gospel accounts about Martha and they're they're not lengthy this is not like doing a study on the life of Peter for example um, where we we see him for years in action but um, it's also, we know more about Martha than, say, the woman that Jesus encounters at the well when he tells her everything that she's ever done, even the bad parts. And she is so moved by that experience that she runs out into the middle of her village to tell everyone about it. But then we don't know anything else about her after that. We don't know what became of her. Um, we just have that one picture. So with Martha, we at least we are given um, a few, um, and that that and actually I think we can see that there's a lot as the Martha's faith unfolds before us. So I'm going to start by reading this passage in Luke um, on the handout. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary which will not be taken from her." All right, so for whatever reason, Luke really wants us to know that it is Martha who greets Jesus when he comes to their door. Uh, Martha, he he tells us, welcomes him into her house. Um, So we immediately have that picture of Martha sort of being um, the mistress of the home, and she herself is letting in this honored guest that they are thrilled to have. And so, another way to think that Martha probably really is the mistress of this home. Um, And you get the impression that it means a lot to Martha to show this man, Jesus, who is their friend, great welcome and hospitality. And taking very seriously the strange living arrangements that she is in with her siblings, we might suggest that this family doesn't get much in the way of fellowship. They don't have a lot of guests into their home. So I'm guessing, guessing, um, but I am guessing that Martha might be a little nervous. She might be a little rusty about this entertaining thing. Um, and this is a sidebar, but this this initial picture of Martha and her great eagerness to honor Jesus with a wonderful meal, it reminds me of, do you remember when Jesus uh, calls Levi, who of course is Matthew, is gonna become Matthew the disciple, But Levi is sitting in the doors of the temple collecting tax. He's a tax collector. And Jesus says, follow me. And that evening, Levi um, has this wonderful feast for Jesus because he is so excited that someone besides other tax collectors would fellowship with him. Because as we know, tax collectors were those shunned people that were frequently clumped together with the more generic sinners Um, as mentioned by the Pharisees. The Pharisees often talk about the tax collectors and the sinners. Um, So like Martha and her family, Levi was so excited to have been picked by Jesus to fellowship with, he made it a special occasion. So isn't it just true that we can expect that Jesus is going to eat and drink, he's going to have fellowship with the outright criminal, the Gentile, and especially the marginalized within his own Jewish culture. He has a real heart for these people. So, Martha welcomes Jesus into her home, and then she gets busy in another room. And this is precisely where I identify with Martha. And I wonder if maybe y'all do too. It's not because I'm a doer, per se. I I mean, I love sitting at a teacher's feet. But um, it's because my tendency is to sincerely welcome Jesus Christ in and then get busy in another part of my life. You know, it's something along the lines of Jesus, you are my honored guest. Come in. I cherish you. I worship you. Now, will you excuse me? I need to go back to the task at hand. Hopefully, I can come and sit at your feet and dwell with you as soon as I finish my work. I sincerely look forward to that. Um, so I really am identify. I, I get it that Martha, in her misunderstanding, um, feels like the best way she can be in communion with Jesus is to go to another room and do something for him. Um, and so in my identification with Martha, I want to suggest that Martha is distracted um, by much serving, not just because she has an honored guest and she's nervous, Um, but mostly because she wants to be in two places at the same time. She feels obligated to serve a wonderful meal of the best she has access to, and she wants to join her sister at Jesus' feet. Martha is not oblivious to the holy opportunity taking place under her roof. What really is distracting Martha is knowing what she is missing and I, I had this image because my, my family has to call me out on it on the rare occasions when all five of us are in our house about to have a meal because we have three grown children and they all live in their own homes. So when they finally get all three of them at the same time for the same meal to break bread, it's really, really important to me, it's special. So as I am preparing the meal and setting the table they are in the adjoining den with their dad, engaging in a conversation I desperately want to be in, too. Um, I will try, and I will try to make that happen. I will participate in the conversation while I'm banging pots and pans on the stove, um, and it drives them crazy. I'll even do things like ask them to repeat what somebody just said because they said it while my head was in the oven, you know. And, and it's not a good way to be in conversation with the people you love. Um, and then you know I'll try to interject my my commentary and a loud voice without realizing oh somebody's actually already talking. I'm, I make them crazy. Um, and they have to tell me to stop. And it's just true that I am trying to do two things, prepare a meal and be in a conversation taking place in another room, and neither one can be done well when done simultaneously. So Martha is distracted because she is not content being only the server of Jesus, and she can't be a disciple of Jesus, she reasons, because her guests need to eat the posture of a disciple and his rabbi was for the disciple to sit at the rabbi's feet mary has forsaken martha in the kitchen and that's an interesting little detail when martha confronts jesus she said my sister has left me so you get the picture that before jesus arrived it was martha and mary in the kitchen you know working on the preparations but as soon as jesus entered the house Martha makes a beeline. I mean, Mary makes a beeline to sit with him. So Mary has forsaken Martha in the kitchen, and yet Mary is going to benefit from the meal once Martha gets it on the table. I mean, it's enough to make a person resentful. Um, I have such a heart for Martha in this moment. Um, And so what do we see next? We see that Martha appeals directly to Jesus. She doesn't go to Mary She doesn't go to Lazarus, who is technically the man of the house. Um, And I think this tells us some interesting things. Number one, Martha clearly feels comfortable being her own true self before Jesus. She's not shielding him with gracious pretense about the sibling dynamics fraught as they are. She's letting it all hang out. Um, And it tells us that she understands that even though Jesus is a guest in their house, he has authority over their household he can make this right um, Tim Keller said in a sermon I listened to not too long ago is actually a sermon on prayer because right after this event he teaches the his disciples the Lord's Prayer but he he's looking at Martha and he says this is Martha praying out loud to her Lord she is saying in essence don't you care tell her to help me um, and so it's Martha's lament, and it's her petition, and it's bold, it's unedited, and it's intimate. That don't you care is rhetorical, because she knows he cares. He is not a passive, immovable God. He is a God that cares. So she's kind of she's putting it to him. And then, like me, she goes on and tells Jesus how to fix it. Go tell Mary to come in here with me. Um, How many times have I prayed a prayer where when I step back for a minute, I realize I've just been telling God how to fix this, Um, the nerve of me. Um, And Jesus, of course, does straighten it out. I mean, this is a man who can feed 5,000 with a few sardines and several loaves of bread on a mountain in the wilderness, and he is therefore proven to be the actual provider of all meals But he says to Martha, in essence, my very dear friend, that's what Martha, Martha means. I'm emphatically focusing on you and talking to you. Uh, You are distracted and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And notice Jesus doesn't say you are troubled and anxious about getting this meal on the table. He says by many things. Jesus is speaking right into the depths of Martha's heart, which, like ours, he knows through and through. Jesus is addressing all the many reasons Martha welcomed him in wholeheartedly, but in her brokenness, she believes she has to leave the room in order to please him. Um, Perhaps this is the heart of the matter. Martha is afraid to do like her sister and choose the good portion, The portion that the Psalms speak of, as in Psalm 119, 57. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. Um, Jesus tells Martha that as much as she does not want to hear it, her sister Mary chose the true good portion, the everlasting inheritance. The one good thing versus the many distracting things. Martha's prayer might have been, Lord, I believe, help me in my many distractions. Um, and again, I just uh, Martha is my soulmate. And before we move on, any thoughts or comments or questions just about that first little exchange? Anything y'all observe that I did not mention? I think what I relate to is the injustice of it. Uh-huh. It's so not fair. Right. It should it hurts right. me. Even Right Right. Well, it, it, it's like I said, you know Mary's going to eat and sit at Jesus's feet, and Martha is the one um, who feels that, that she can't she does not have that. Um, so yeah, that's a good, yeah. All right, so the Gospel of John continues to paint the picture of this centric little family, the family much loved by Jesus. Martha and Mary had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus is gravely ill, and their message is, he whom you love is ill. Um, So let's look at that passage. And this is John 11, verses 17 through 28. Um, Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days, She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. Okay, so um, well, there's no way we can get into all the the. Many, many, many layers of this raising of Lazarus. But we can um, kind of keep our focus on Martha and and continue to see how I think this woman is evolving as a believer and a follower of Christ. So, first of all, Martha, again, is the sister who takes initiative. And when she hears that Jesus is on his way, finally, after being much delayed, um, she runs out to meet Jesus on the road. She's she's coming to him. She greets him and she gets right to another unedited prayer and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So Martha still has a bit of the do you not care tone to her prayer. I mean, what she's saying is, why weren't you here? Because if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. Um, but she's not trying to tell Jesus what to do. Um, Martha is—he's not. Martha is not saying, "Jesus, make Mary come into the kitchen and help me." Um, and then she proceeds to utter statements of profound understanding and faith. Um, she's about as um, as articulate as, as, I, as I think Jesus would ever want her to be. She knows that even in the face of death, whatever Jesus asks of his father, it will be granted. Martha is clear about this. And Jesus is taking his time with Martha in this exchange. He is so patient. He meets her as the individual that she is, beloved friend and a sinner, worthy of his salvation. If you think about it, to Jesus, Martha's new life in Christ is as important to Jesus as raising a literally dead man who is his friend Lazarus. So he's going to minister to Martha um, and and then he will turn his attention to Mary and and then he will turn his attention to Lazarus. These people are all equally important to him and their salvation is is at stake. Um, So if you notice, Martha professes first um, what she has learned from the Old Testament teachings about the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus presses in. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? What follows is Martha's profession of knowing who Jesus is. And it's as profound and beautiful as when Peter confesses who Christ is, and he goes on and is pronounced by Jesus as the rock of his church. He will be the rock of his church. So yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Martha, no longer distracted, is fully conscious of who Jesus is. She is having her she's having her moment with him. Um, and I want to point out a detail in this story that I only recently occurred to me. John tells us that, Immediately, Martha goes, um, after she proclaims her fate, she goes and finds her sister Mary. Martha says to Mary, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. Go to Jesus. So, what Mary did not do for Martha when Jesus was their house guest, Martha is now able to do for Mary. Martha comes to Mary and tells her to go see Jesus. Again, this is my imagination, but I, I just wonder if John, the Gospel of John, had given us um, a little insight into a private exchange between Mary and Jesus when he was dining with them that day. Um, that he might say something like, Mary, you have chosen the good portion, but you are not considering your sister. You should have gone into the kitchen and brought her here to me. So, um, I don't know, but I feel like that Martha, in a way, is, is understanding um, the need for evangelism before Mary is. And so she's going to go get her sister and bring her sister to Jesus. And we don't have time to look at it, but as you know, Jesus and Mary have a very similar exchange. And then Jesus moves um, to the actual uh, resurrection of Lazarus. But let's look at this just little snippet, primarily because it shows you that uh, faith uh, an evolution of faith is not just perfectly linear because um, we hear in john eleven thirty eight to forty that Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a ca- a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I mean, I can almost hear the gentle tone in Jesus' voice. He's, you know, he's talking to her kind of like we would talk to one of our little children. Now, didn't I tell you? You know, he's, he's patient. He's, he's giving her the space to absorb it and to take it in that she doesn't need to worry about things like odor. She's in the presence of Jesus, and he is about to raise her dead brother and bring him back to life. And so now we come to the final glimpse um, we are given of Martha and her siblings. Um, And this is John 12, verses 1 and 2. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. I think this is beautiful. Um, John is basically painting a tableau for his readers. Um, We have Lazarus, a man who just experienced death, as Jesus is about to, and a resurrection from death that foreshadows the much more miraculous one that Jesus will experience, it, they're reclining at the table with the one who caused Lazarus to be raised. And I, I didn't include it, but we know that the next, event, the next action in this scene is Mary is going to come in with, um, to anoint Jesus with a very expensive ointment. And this was another thing that Heidi helped me consider. This could have been and probably was the only thing of value this little family had. Um, because, you know, the disciples get all in a, in a wad about it being so expensive and why are you, why are you pouring it on Jesus? But um, it probably belonged to this little family, and it was all, you know, it was the most valuable thing and the one valuable thing that they had. So what that tells us is this family, certainly Mary and probably Martha and Lazarus, they get it they really know who Jesus is they know that he is about to die unlike his disciples who seem to be completely surprised and shocked and can't absorb the fact that Jesus is really gonna be killed this family seems to know and they're willing to to um, to honor him with the one valuable thing that they that they possess um, so and then we're told, and Martha served, period. End of, end of picture. Um, there are no distractions. Martha is not looking to Mary for help. She is not telling Jesus what he should do to make the situation better. She is, if you think about it, she is being her authentic serving self in the presence of her Lord, I get the picture, and I don't think I'm just reading too much into it. I get the picture that um, Martha is in her element. It's like the the distractions and pulls and confusion that she normally operates in the world with have all fused together and become one um, one woman whose identity is is clear now to her, and her identity is in Christ. So. I don't think there's a morale uh, uh, to this story, but if you did want to sort of sum it up, in my mind, it's not about are you a Martha or are you a Mary, are you a doer, are you a thinker. Um, I think that um, what Martha is teaching us is that when we serve, let us serve in Christ. Um, let us serve um, understanding that Jesus isn't in another room. He's right there with us in our activity and in our contemplation. That we can be authentic as we serve, and we can be in union with Christ as we serve. and Because there's no such thing as him being in another room when he is with us. He is, he is with us. And so that is my thoughts on Martha. Any comments or questions? This was right before the crucifixion, right? Yes, okay. exactly. Yes. In fact, he's, he's going into Jerusalem during the day. That's when he cleans out the temple. Um, but then he would retreat back to Bethany and stay with this family. So um, he really did have a profoundly intimate relationship with, with these three, which I just think is so dear. Because, you know, they would not make the Better Homes and Garden magazine cover. Um, any any other thoughts? Yes. I was going to say, uh, also I noticed Mary did not, after Lazarus had died, it was Martha who rushed to the door to him. Right. And when you think about somebody who's died right. in the family. She was probably grieving more than Mary, I mean more than Martha. Was. Uh-huh that's what, that's, that's how that strikes me. Huh. She's uh-huh. really upset. She's uh-huh. sitting there by herself. Right, mm-hmm. so, right. I mean, Martha, how many people really go and rush to the door when they're at the funeral parlor?
1: Uh-huh. Park, say, uh-huh.
0: And their friends come to see the body or whatever. Uh-huh. To visit them. How many people go rushing up? High? You know, it's a party. Uh-huh. We're happy to see a, you know, somebody visiting. Yeah, yeah. So well, I think she was... Mary was much more upset and depressed. Huh. Uh huh. So, Thank right. you. I like how um, Martha always has struck me as being so confident in Jesus's love for her that yes. she can speak boldly to him. She can complain. Yes. She's not worried. Like oh, I just you know. Need to be quiet, right? Do my job, but you know, both times when Lazarus died, and then in the earlier scene where she was serving, she felt very comfortable with him, right? Yeah, she doesn't use a filter with Jesus, um, and, th- and that is so refreshing because it's refreshing because she's being her real self in front of Jesus, as we are called to do, and it's also refreshing because Jesus meets her there. You know, he doesn't say, you don't talk that way to me. You know, he, he, that's not, he, he, he works with what she's given him. And, and that is what he does with us too, which is, it feels safe to know that, that I can be my real unwashed self and Jesus will meet me there before and, and not tell me to go get cleaned up first. Okay. Sure. I mean, there's probably not a great answer for it, but in the Luke passage, uh, when Jesus says Mary's chose the good portion, when you say, what would you say the good portion is? Because in like in this unit, I think maybe it would be just Jesus, and mm-hmm. people, not destruction. What would you say? I would say she chose she chose the good portion, meaning that she chose to be his disciple and sit at his feet and absorb everything he was saying because you know it wasn't just the siblings and jesus jesus always traveled in a pack i'm sure there were some of his disciple other disciples um, and you got the whole dynamic of this is a woman sitting at his feet women didn't sit at rabbi's feet but she did and jesus is clearly encouraging that but i think what jesus is saying is um when i'm when i'm in the house. it would it would do you well to come be with me now that's hard because he's gonna to want to eat too he's a man he needs food but I think he's he's maybe uh, suggesting to Martha it's not really dependent on you that we're gonna eat and that's and we know that and I'm sure Martha would have known about the feeding of the 5,000 Um, she just needed to be reminded um, if Jesus wants people to eat people are going to eat but the better portion in that little space of holy time is to be with him which you can do and serve as we see in the final scene right before Jesus is crucified which is pretty cool I've never considered that before it wasn't just like a whole text mix Right. Was Middle Eastern hospitality, which I think is something that is probably a little bit foreign to us, even though we can do a good spread. But Middle Eastern hospitality, I think, is renowned for they really put on a show. Yeah. Well, Heidi said it would probably have involved a lot of bread, unleavened bread, and you don't you don't go to the store and buy that in the uh, freezer section, and probably some sort of a stew. That maybe maybe they had an animal that they could. Um, kill and, and serve, but more, more likely, she says, probably just some kind of stew with root vegetables and little different bits of animal meat, um, all slowly seasoned and cooked over a long period of time and then a lot of bread. And we don't know exactly how many guests Martha had, but you would imagine, you know, more than a few. So, yeah it was not something you just go whip up and i'll be back in 10 minutes yeah yeah well let's pray and thank y'all for being here today i really appreciate that because i was I, I, I get excited about people in the bible it's where it's where my my heart gets really hooked and so i just appreciate that i, I got to share it um so let us pray Lord, thank you for your daughter, Martha, and thank you for your holy scriptures that preserves her for us so that we may know her too. Lord, I ask that um, as we live in a world that likes to categorize and caricature people and put them into categories of this way or that way, um, I thank you that you teach us that we are so much more complicated than that and that we are um, really nothing unless we are in you and that is our identity our identity is in you lord and um the doing or the contemplating all the other details they they fall from that first um crucial important and true reality that our identity rests in you because we are your sons and daughters and we ask this um in your son's name jesus christ amen